Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the Book of Romans, with this message entitled, The Salvation of the Jews. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 11. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Now, you are asked to focus... Because in this church, we preach the Bible. Here we demand that we be intelligent. And God gives us wisdom. God enlightens our mind so that we can focus on God's word. Which at times is difficult to understand. What is the purpose of history? The purpose of history, firstly, to save God's people from Jews and Gentiles, so that God may be glorified. So God saves Jews and Gentiles for his glory. Who can be trusted? Let God be true and every man a liar. God alone keeps his covenant to save a people for himself from the sinful world of Jews and Gentiles. The Jews became disobedient and stubborn. Romans 10 verse 21. But the question is, did God reject his people whom he foreknew? He has not. The apostle gave us five proofs that God has not rejected the Jewish people. The last one was the eschatological proof, if you recall. It is revealed in Romans 11, 11 through 32, that God has a great end time plan for the salvation of the Jewish nation. Then he will save not just a minority a remnant of the Jewish people but a large majority so we read in Romans 11 verse 26 and 27 speaking about this eschatological time the deliverer will come from Zion He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. But now God is saving a remnant. But a time is coming when God will save a vast majority of Israel. Friends, God is not surprised by man's unbelief 
and stubbornness and sin. He works out his eternal plan of salvation in history in spite of human sin. He will save his people, Jews and Gentiles, from their sins. God chose Abraham and the Jewish nation for this eternal purpose. And God's purpose in election always stands. That in the seed of Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That seed of Abraham is the son of David, the son of Virgin Mary, Jesus Christ, the crucified and and risen and reigning. Friends, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, then for the Gentiles. And we are told in chapter 10, Romans verse 12, for there is no difference. Between Jew and Gentile, the same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Friends, have you called on the name of the Lord that you may be saved? So four things St. Paul tells us. First, the unbelief of the Jewish nation who killed their Messiah. But this unbelief caused the door of salvation to be open for the Gentiles. Number three, when the Jewish nation watches the great salvation Gentiles are experiencing, They will be provoked to positive envy. Desiring. We also want to be saved. Number four. This national salvation of the Jewish people. Will redound to yet greater blessings for the Gentiles. First then. The unbelief of the nation Israel. So we come to our text. Romans 11, 11 through 15. Which speaks of God's purpose in history. In saving the nation Israel. Through a historical process. That begins with their national unbelief. So in Romans 11. Verse 11, there is a rhetorical question. What is it? Did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? There is an emphatic denial. Absolutely not. And there is an explanation. Verse 11b through 15. Israel's sin of unbelief is the starting point. Of a process that will lead them back to faith in their Messiah. And therefore to unimaginable blessings to them and to the Gentiles. 
the rejection of Israel by God is not total and not final. It is only temporary even though it lasted 2,000 years. God is not finished with his people Israel yet in spite of their present unbelief. Friends, it is true they stumbled by their stubborn unbelief in their Messiah. They sought to establish their righteousness on the basis of their own works and not on the basis of grace that flows from the work of Jesus Christ. So they stumbled over the stumbling stone we learned Jesus Christ they rejected their Messiah they refused to believe on him they refused to submit to God's righteousness they did not realize as we read in Romans 10 verse 4 Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes on him. So we read what they did in Acts chapter 2 verse 23. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you with the help of wicked men put him to death. By nailing him to the cross. So they stumbled and fell. But Paul asks. Did they stumble and fall irretrievably? That is to rise no more. Is there any hope of salvation for the Jewish nation? Yes there is. They will rise again. They will as a nation welcome their Messiah. Friends, our sin and stubbornness never frustrates God's plan to save his people. It only promotes it. God's eternal plan to save us took into account our sin. And Christ died for the sins of the world. Of the Jews and the Gentiles. So we read by their trespass. By the unbelief of Israel. Romans 11 verse 12. A shift in salvation history took place. From Jews to the Gentiles. It was God's plan to save the Gentiles through the Jewish nation but Israel failed to function as the light of the world they made it difficult for the Gentiles to be saved they called them dogs they despised the Gentiles they were proud of their privileges and work righteousness they demanded that the Gentiles be circumcised and embrace all ceremonial and dietary laws even Jewish Christians made the evangelization of the Gentiles difficult. They required them to bear the heavy yoke of the law, for example, circumcision. 
So we read in Acts 15 verse 5. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. Or we read in Galatians chapter 6, Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law. Yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. So through the unbelief of Israel, God opened the door of the gospel to the Gentiles. To a Gentile's question, what must I do to be saved? St. Paul gave the answer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Sola fide. By by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, plus nothing. So let me read to you from Acts 13. Beginning with verse 44, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. This is the wrong kind of jealousy. And talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you first, since you reject it. And do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. We now turn to the Gentiles. For that is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles. That you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this gospel. They were glad and honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. Through the unbelief of the Jews, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Friends, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Jesus Christ is the only Savior of the world. Salvation in any other name is a lie and an illusion. Jesus Christ is the only atonement for our sins. Without this atonement, no salvation. Without the shedding of the blood of Jesus, no forgiveness of sins. The gospel of God is the gospel of his son who died for our sins and was raised from the dead for our justification. This gospel alone saves us from God's just wrath, from hell, from eternal death, which is the wages of sin. The Jews refused to embrace their Savior, Messiah. But God is not frustrated. He opens the door to the Gentiles. They gladly believed on the Lord Jesus and were saved. For we read in Romans 10 verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The question this morning is this, have you believed the gospel preached to you? 
Have you trusted in the only Savior, Jesus Christ? I command you to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not beg you, sir. Escape from death and judgment that is coming upon the unbelieving people of the world. Have you been saved from God's just wrath that is revealed against you? You do not frustrate God by not trusting him. He moves on to another sinner and saves him according to his eternal plan. Number two then, the Gentile salvation. So Jewish unbeliefs open the door to Gentile salvation. Who are the Gentiles? We read in Ephesians 2 chapter 2 verse 1 through 12. Gentiles, they are Gentiles by birth, uncircumcised, separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, dead in trespasses and sins, ruled by Satan, slaves to sinful passions, objects of wrath of God, Without hope and without God, children of disobedience. But all of a sudden, the gospel came to them. The sun rises, the darkness is dispelled. They have been made alive in Christ. They repent of their sins. They trust in Jesus Christ. The Gentiles are justified. They are adopted sons of God. They are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. They become people of the Holy Scriptures. They have been saved. And they have been made rich by God. And so you read. Verse 12 of Romans 11. Take a look at it. But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their fullness bring? That is the full salvation of the Jewish people. Three times we are told riches, 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 riches. Jesus Christ enriches you. Rich, rich, rich. Friends, I was dead. I'm alive. I was blind, but now I see. I was an enemy of God. Now I'm a friend of God through his reconciliation. I was poor, and I've been made rich in Jesus Christ. True Christians are the richest people in the world. I am very rich. I told you many times, and you wondered. <laughs> Yes, it is the truth. I am very rich. And you are very rich. If you trust in Jesus Christ. And so why do you think I am rich? Because God himself is my inheritance. The God who created the worlds is my inheritance. And so we read Psalm 119, verse 57. You are my portion, O Lord. 142, verse 5. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. 
Psalm 73 says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You believe you are rich, sir. Very rich indeed. The rich man died and went to hell. God sends the rich of the world empty away. The riches of the world deceives man into thinking he needs no God. He says, I have need of nothing. Jesus says this, Revelation 3.17, You say I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked. That's what God is speaking to those who are simply rich in the world. Those who are rich without Christ are poor fools who only realizes their utter poverty in hell. Truly rich are those who believe in Christ. So we read in Revelation 2 verse 9, I know your affliction and your poverty, speaking about the believers in the church of Smyrna, yet you are rich, says Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. 2 Corinthians 6, 10, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, poor, yet making many rich. That's what I do, sir. By the preaching of the gospel, we make many poor rich in God. John 15 verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Luke 12, 32 through 34, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Or Hebrews eleven twenty five through 27, look at Moses. Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By Faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. The graceless man is a wretched man. Christless man is a miserable man. He is hopeless man, a godless man, a poor man. Sir, the unbelief of the Jews brought riches to the Gentiles in terms of salvation, reconciliation, yea, life from the dead. So number three, the salvation of the nation Israel. 
This salvation of the Gentiles in turn in God's plan is designed to provoke the Jewish people to become envious in a positive sense. Which was already prophesied in Deuteronomy. And is written in chapter 10 of Romans verse 19. I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. Positive envy. Envy is not always sin. I heard a graduate of UC Davis got the highest grade, received a medal. That should make you positively envious to work harder. Or you see a person who was very heavy, now lost to weight. It should positively make you envious and say, I can lose weight. Or you saw a poor man, he is financially secure. You can say, I can do that. So positive envy is a good thing. Get out of your D and C and 3.1. Be envious of successful people in the positive sense. Work harder. And above all, be envious of a Christian. And say, I want to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. So they are envious and they will be envious. The Jewish people as they see the salvation of the Gentiles. They now desire for themselves the good things. The Gentiles are enjoying salvation and reconciliation. Forgiveness of sin, justification, adoption and so on. So they are provoked to emulating the Gentiles. And in the future en masse put their trust in their Messiah Jesus Christ as a result in the future let me tell you what the prophecy is saying a vast majority of the Jewish people will turn to the Lord and be saved they will abandon their trust in their works they will be saved by grace through faith they will trust in Jesus Christ and his atoning work on the cross. Today their celebration of Yom Kippur has no meaning. Because they do not believe in any substitutionary atonement. They like the Pharisees rest in their own works. But Paul speaks of a day in the future when the Jews will look to their Messiah and be saved. This is a revelation St. Paul received from God concerning his own people. And so we read about this in chapter 11 verse 25 and 26. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery. A mystery revealed to St. Paul about Jewish salvation. Brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. A mystery 
revealed to him. And you also learn from Ephesians chapter 3, 1 through 6. A mystery of Gentile salvation was also given to him. And you go home and read it. St. Paul was given a revelation in terms of Gentile salvation. He was also given a revelation about the future national salvation of the Jews. This is a prophecy yet to be fulfilled. Not only a lame but the pleroma will be saved. That is not only a Jewish rem is going to be saved in the but in the future the full number of the Jews will be saved. So Paul himself works very hard in Gentile evangelization that he may provoke his Jewish people to this positive envy and turn to their Messiah. So he gloried. We read in verse 13 and 14. He gloried in his apostolic task, in his preaching of the gospel. Friends, let me tell you something. There is no greater vocation than this preaching of the gospel. It is holy, it is high, it is a heavenly calling. A preacher is called and sent. He preaches the true gospel faithfully. Sinners hear the gospel. They believe the gospel. They call upon the name of the Lord. And they are saved from God's wrath, from death, from hell. They are saved to live eternally with God. They are enriched. Oh, what a privilege it is to be called by Christ and sent to preach the gospel. It is a great honor to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ, the King Eternal. It's a privilege to share this good news. And let me tell you, sir, not just the professional preachers, but every believer must preach the gospel. Let me read to you in Acts, from Acts 11, verse 19 through 21. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling, the word is laleo, not preach, not evangelize, but sharing, telling the message only to the Jews. Some of them, however, Men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to share, to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord, sir, not just a preacher or an evangelist. Every Christian is under obligation to share the gospel. Rahab the prostitute became a great evangelist. She puts us to shame. It is time that we got exercised about our mother's salvation, father's salvation, our brother's salvation, our sister's salvation, and all their family's salvation by sharing unashamedly the gospel which is the power of God unto salvation. Not only preachers, all of us 
I share the gospel for the salvation of elect Gentiles and Jews. Stand firm. St. Paul says. And work hard. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is what? In vain. Our labor contributes to the fulfillment of God's plan to save all his people. Not angels, but we are to preach and share the gospel. How else can they be saved? Faith comes by hearing the sharing of the gospel. May God's spirit come upon us powerfully. Opening our mouth and saying who Jesus is and what he has done. So Jewish unbelief leads to Gentile salvation. Gentile salvation leads to positive envy of the Jewish people. And they are saved as a nation. Which in turn... Causes God to bless the Gentiles in an unparalleled and unimaginable fashion in the future. So number four, greater blessing for the Gentiles. You can look at verse 12 and verse 15. This is the argument. If their trespass, that is the trespass of the Jewish people, riches of the world, that is Gentiles. If their loss, riches of the Gentiles. Their fullness, the full salvation of the Jewish people will be greater riches for the Gentiles. Their rejection by God, reconciliation of the world. Their acceptance will be what? Like life from the dead. Friends, the future salvation of the national Israel will result in much greater blessings to the Gentiles. It is called, in verse 15, life from the dead. This phrase, life from the dead, is interpreted in three different ways. First, literal resurrection. That is, general resurrection from the dead leading to blessed eternal life. That is, conversion of Israel signals the resurrection of the last day. That is, the restoration of the Jews at once brings on the end. The dead were raised and the Messiah's kingdom is set up glorious and incorruptible. The conversion of Israel will be the last act of history. Professor Ernest Kesselman. However, the word anastasis or egero, not used here, that speak about literal resurrection. Second, there is a figurative meaning, life from the dead. Professor Charles Hodge says, joyful and desirable event. Lloyd-Jones, it's a hyperbole so glorious we cannot compare with anything else. Life from the dead means greatest blessing imaginable that can be likened to life from the dead. It is like Lazarus being raised from the dead. But thirdly, spiritual resurrection. Spiritual quickening 
of the whole world. Greater worldwide salvation. In unimaginable proportion especially of the Gentiles. Professor Gaudet says powerful spiritual revolution. Which will be wrought in the heart of Gentile Christendom. By the fact of the conversion of the Jews. En masse conversion of the Gentiles. Conversion of Israel functions as a tonic to the world. You see friends. Let us look at it. In terms of the third view. So here it is. The Jewish unbelief leads to Gentile salvation. Which in turn leads to national Israel salvation. Which in turn brings unimaginable worldwide conversions of peoples. Especially the Gentiles. Friends, God works out his eternal plan in history in spite of human sin. You cannot stop him. Your arrogance cannot stop him. He will do what he pleases. So Paul exhorts the Gentile majority of the Roman church not to be proud. Not to despise the Jewish minority. Gentiles did not replace the Jews in God's plan. In spite of their present unbelief. Only Gentiles are included in God's plan. Friends, let me ask you number one. Are you saved from God's wrath? His wrath is revealed against our sin. Against him. Are you saved from God's wrath by believing savingly in Jesus Christ? Friends, you are going to die. Man is destined to die once and then face divine judgment. And if you are not a believer, you will die like the rich fool. Number two, friends, are you truly rich? Eternally rich. Can you say, the Lord is my inheritance. He is my portion. Are you truly rich by being united to Christ? Vital union with Jesus Christ. We are told that we received fullness in Jesus Christ. Completeness in Jesus Christ. Number three. Let me ask you, is Jesus Christ your good shepherd? Then you lack nothing. 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 The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. In fact, that means I have everything. That is called meiosis or litotes. Too negative. Emphasizing what? The positive. I have fullness. You lack nothing. He provides, he protects, he guides. Is Jesus Christ leading you, guiding you? Which way are you going? Number four. Paul wants to save some of his brothers. Somehow I may save some. That's a biblical use. Have you tried to save someone? 
Don't go alone. Bring somebody with you. Hopefully your wife and your children and their husbands and their wives, their children for generation to come. God uses not angels to speak the way of salvation to lost sinners. He uses you. He uses me. Number five. Do you thank God for sending that person to speak to you the gospel? Do you appreciate that one? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. God ordained that person from all eternity to come to you. Maybe at work, maybe in the church, maybe on the plane. He shared the gospel that made you rich. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to rejoice in our salvation. And to share the good news to everyone to whom you send us. Thank you for making us rich. Not with silver and gold. But God being our portion. Our inheritance. In Jesus name. Amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio of this message entitled The Salvation of the Jews. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.